So, I've been asked to speak on gratefulness and thankfulness this morning. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, It is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. I thought, what a fantastic start to our morning that was. Psychologists and scientists now tell us what God has been telling us for millennia, that gratitude is good for us. In fact, according to Professor Emmons of UC Davis University, sounds very grand, don't know him personally, he states that clinical trials indicate that the practice of gratitude can have dramatic and lasting effects in our lives. It can lower blood pressure, improve immune function and facilitate more efficient sleep. One school of medicine found that people who are more grateful actually had better heart health, less inflammation and healthier heart rhythms. Daily gratitude lowers our stress hormones and this is something I'm particularly intrigued by. It can reduce the effects of an aging brain. So this morning, I'd like us to reflect on one short but really powerful verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. So Paul is writing to the believers in Thessalonica, and he's delighted, actually, that having left them behind, that they are still walking in their faith, and he's really encouraging them. And he, in his concluding comments, he, he writes in chapter 5, verse 16, Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. From one end of the Bible to the other, we are commanded to be thankful. And one thing I've realized more and more over the years, when God commands something of me, when God commands us to do something, it's because it's good for us. Um, so I've just been amazed at how many times when I've been looking at the word this week that thankfulness and gratitude just comes up over and over and over again. But it really isn't just a good idea. It really is a command. And Paul wrote, give thanks in all circumstances because it's God's will for you. So gratitude is good for us. It's also good for our relationships. It's good for our relationship with God, and it's good for our relationships with each other. In fact, I've been thinking about this and thinking, I can't envisage any genuine relationship that would exist where there was never any gratitude, where there was a permanent lack of gratitude. Um, So I was picturing never a thank you for meals prepared and served, never a thank you for gifts given, Lifts given, possessions borrowed, favours offered. And I'm thinking there would be no authentic relationship in that environment, in an environment that looked like that. And I know some of you are probably thinking you haven't lived with my teenagers. Um, But in actual fact, I do have, I've got three teenagers and they're very good. Um, They're very good at being thankful. In fact, actually, our middle son, Theo, has really got this nailed. He understands how disarming thankfulness is. And if I come in, obviously it doesn't happen very often, but if my expectations haven't been met and I'm feeling a little bit grumpy, and let's be honest, I'm just moaning and groaning a little bit too much, he has this way of just coming up alongside me and putting his arm around me and saying, thank you, mum, and he has worked it out completely. And, and I, or I love you, mum, works just as well. 
But what he has worked out is that gratitude changes the atmosphere. Gratitude changes the atmosphere. And the opposite is also true, of course. Ingratitude hardens our hearts. We are told in Proverbs 4:23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. An ungrateful heart has forgotten how utterly dependent we are on our God for everything. Now, earlier I was speaking of aging brains, and I'm hoping that others, others in the room might be able to identify with this. So, for example, there's something I really need to do on my phone, um, and it's out of charge, so I'll go upstairs for a phone charger, and I will come back down a few moments later completely empty-handed, but momentarily very pleased with myself that I've turned the bathroom light off and shut the bedroom curtains. Right, I'm so glad it's not just me. <laughs> so... I was struck as well this week by how often God actually says, remember, remember what I have done for you. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, God says, remember, for 40 years the Lord led you. And he's speaking to the Israelites before they enter the promised land, the land that he has for them. And he's warning them and he says, when you have eaten all you want, this is a bit later in the chapter, thank the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be, great, be, be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. You will eat all you want. You will build nice houses and live in them, them. But when this happens, be careful that you don't become arrogant and forget the Lord your God. Now, many of us will know how the story goes. And in Psalm 106, we read that um, they forgot the God who had saved them and had done great things in Egypt. We see this pattern, don't we? In Judges 8, no sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites prostituted themselves to the Baals and did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies. A few years ago, I began to journal, prayer journal, prayer diary. People call it different things. And in my journal, I would write down simple prayers and Bible verses. Um, it happened to coincide with a quite challenging couple of years, a um, few years for me um, and, and a bit for our family. Um, but a couple of years ago, I lost one of these journals. And I was overwhelmed by the effect that had on me how sad I was um, and how frustrated, and I still am, that I had lost one of these journals. And this week, I realized fully why. Because in my journals, I wrote down how God had spoken into my fears and into my disappointments, how he had given me words, and the phenomenal timing of those words felt like miracles just for me. They were so significant, and I couldn't explain them to other people. But more importantly, I knew I wouldn't remember them all, that I would, I would forget they would be lost to me. And I was just so saddened by that. Um, I think there is great power for each of us to really actively go, around, go intentionally after remembering what God has done. And that might look like a journal for you. You know, obviously starting in the word of God and seeing his salvation plan worked out for us, um, leading to next Sunday is, is, is a great place to start. But also being intentional personally. Um, and maybe turning to our friends and our families and, thank, um, and telling, God what, um, telling them what God has done for us. 
you know, actually going after, reminding ourselves um, for those things. Paul writes, give thanks in all circumstances. Thanking God in the dark times helps us remember what he has done in the good times, right? It reminds us that he is in control. He's done it before. He's going to bring us through. Thanking God in the good times, when the job's secured, the exams are passed, when the future seems bright and rosy, it keeps us from being arrogant, for sure. It also takes the pressure off us when we give God the credit for our successes, right? It keeps us from the lie that the future is all on us and it was all, it's all down to us. So, why does Paul instruct the Thessalonians to give thanks in all circumstances? Because thankfulness reminds us of who we are and who God is. It encourages us to remember that he is almighty and he has done much for us and is faithful. I think sometimes thankfulness needs to be a choice, particularly if you're somebody for whom actually just being grateful doesn't necessarily come that naturally. You know, and I think it's perfectly okay to accept that that's who you are. Um, but like love and forgiveness, sometimes we just need to choose to be thankful, particularly in the darkest moments of our lives. So Paul wrote to the Ephesians, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. When we are thankful, we stand on God's word. We declare our unwavering trust in who he is, and we're showing a heart of faith that God is bigger than our circumstances. When our circumstances are hardest, of course, that's when we're most vulnerable to the lies of the enemy. Those lies that say, he clearly doesn't love you, or he wouldn't let that happen. Or a God of love wouldn't let that happen. But when we say thank you, when we choose to go against what our culture suggests we should do, which is respond on our feelings, when we choose to say thank you, we are declaring God's goodness. We are saying, God, we kn- I know that you see. I know that you care. I know that you are here. I know that you are good. And when we, un- when we do that, we unlock the presence of God into our situations. We unlock the presence of God into our lives when we do that. And we disarm Satan from his lies. So, thankfulness builds genuine relationships with our Heavenly Father. It honours God when we are thankful. It builds good relationships with each other. It develops hope and it develops faith. So, let us not forget what God has done for us. Let us train ourselves in gratitude. Let's change the atmosphere of our lives of our homes, and of our church with thankfulness. The band are kind of going to come up now and we're going to spend some time in worship. So just let me pray while we do that. Heavenly Father, we stand on your goodness. We declare over this place, we know you are good and you are faithful and you are always about our good. And we thank you, God,
that you are so excited to break into our lives. That you want to come and change the atmosphere of our lives. So give us open hearts today, I pray. Give us soft hearts um, as we prepare for the rest of today. In the name of Jesus. Amen.